0: Good morning. Glad that you're here. We got a full house this morning. It's great to see this beautiful day that we've had, the Lord's Day that has been given to us. And uh, 99.9% of all members surveyed Craig said that it was a beautiful day to wear a sweater vest. So uh, I went ahead and did that today. Uh, The fan club, I guess, didn't get the memo to uh, wear their sweater vest today, but that's okay. Glad you're here today. Uh, I hope that there's a message that I present to you this morning that will be beneficial to you. The purpose of this lesson this morning is to those who have already been added to the kingdom, and there will certainly be an invitation, and hopefully uh, those who have been studied enough to understand what being added to that kingdom, the gospel that has been given to us, will be able to respond to that. But to those of us who in our lives have accepted Christ, have accepted uh, the gospel that has been given to us, The grace that has been bestowed to us, the mercy that has been given to us through God's plan and God's will, hopefully it'll be encouraging to us that we can uh, serve Him better in all things we do. I appreciate the song Being Led, Make Me a Servant. We're going to be talking about, Lord, Make Me a Servant. The word Christian, as we define it so often, is to be Christ like. That means that in all of our actions, all those things that we do, that we try to look at our Savior that died on the cross for us and gave that blood and the example he left for us in the scriptures to be able to be a servant to others and look to him for how and what that looks like. Now, we are officially, I guess, in the eighth day of 2023. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or any, anything, but... How many of you made some New Year's resolutions? And through the eighth day, how many of you are still keeping those resolutions? I will tell you, and and by define, I'm not the one that invented this thing, but uh, I have resolved that I will not make New Year's resolutions. So with that said, uh, I don't usually make a New Year's resolution, but I'm going to challenge us all today to be resolved in some of the things maybe we hear or some of the things that we already know that we actually take a lot of action on some of the things that we're talking about today and think about that being resolved and maybe those new year's resolutions that we set every year I'm not saying don't do that I'm not saying that's wrong but think about the moment that we live in and being resolved to take advantage of that moment that we can truly be a servant to God Now, as Jesus is talking to the multitudes at the time in his ministry on this earth, he's addressing and has just recently in Matthew chapter 25 addressed the people talking about using their talents. And I'm not going to go into that particular part of chapter 25, but understand he has just addressed them on you've each got talents that you've got to use, and it's important that you use those. And we'll talk about the underlying theme of that throughout the lesson, but I think it's important in how we use those talents. And as he's talking to the people in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31, Jesus says, "'When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left.' Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And understand, had we been there in the shoes of that multitude that was there, the disciples newly uh, that were... Understanding a little bit more about Christ and his ministry on this earth and what he was heading to do during that time we might have the same question that they had in Matthew chapter 37 the righteous answered him saying Lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and gave you drink when did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you so literally Jesus when did we see you with this when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you When did we see those things as Jesus is talking to them? And the king answered, being Jesus, and he will answer them and said, Surely I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And if we think about that in our daily actions that we take, and in those things that we do in this life to understand that as we serve others, including our brethren, it's specifically that it's talking about, But those that we come in contact in the world, we are doing it as unto Christ. And in those things that you do, do do you always reflect that Christ-like, that Christian attitude that you knew? And I will say in my case, I need to work on that. And that's a lot of the purpose of my study this morning is because I need to work on these things. I need to continually be reminded of those things that I need to do better to be a better servant for Christ and for God and for that ministry. In the way we serve him and the way we do things, a lot of times our motivations always come into question. And I will say that as I speak to you, speaking to myself on what are my motivations behind how I serve. You know, the 12 apostles that were chosen were really no different than we are. The men that were gathered together to serve Christ and and basically in the third year of his ministry, uh, that in, in the case that they were in, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder if you uh, understand what I'm talking about there, came and they asked a question about where their place was going to be in the kingdom. What was their motivation behind being a servant to God? They had been right beside him the entire time. You know, they said, who's going to be on the right hand and who's going to be on the left? And Jesus answered him in a way. But their motivation the very apostles that were right by their side were saying you know what's in it for me what am i going to get am i going to be on the right or the left hand side and you know forget about these other 10 apostles over here and i don't know why that if that actually is what stirred them up in mark chapter 10 and verse 41 but when the 10 heard it when the other apostles heard what john and james had said they began to be greatly displeased with them and rightfully so you would say so you know what you know what are you guys thinking i don't know what their uh being displeased was because they were asking such such a trivial and selfish question or if it was because the fact that okay i want to be on the right or the left hand side of the throne not john and james however that went jesus called them to himself and said to them so He pulled John and James aside. I don't know what kind of tone was used with them, but it would have been probably worse than going to the principal's office, I assume, or getting called into your boss's office because of something you did wrong and have to uh, be reprimanded for it. But Jesus came, uh, called them to himself, and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall be... Yet it shall not be so among you, but whosoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whosoever of you desires to be first shall be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark 10 and verse 45, be a great memory verse for kids and adults alike. For even the Son of Man did not come To be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. If we truly want to be a servant of Christ, a servant of God's in the way he wants us to be, do we have that attitude that we are here to serve? Now, we all like to be served from time to time. We all like to be pampered from time to time. I have imagined the past few weeks we have pampered ourselves pretty well in certain cases and certain gatherings that we have really enjoyable times that we have on this earth, but at the heart of what our mission here is on this earth as Christians, are we here to serve others? You know, at this particular congregation, I've been on the receiving end of a lot of those that have served served me. I know that there have been prayers probably said on my behalf that I don't know about. And probably each of us can think of those things that have been done for you by individuals that are sitting in this congregation, those who may not be with us anymore, those who have influenced us, those who have served us in our walks. I'm sure all of us can think about that and can think of examples that we would all have. But those things can't be done to lift ourselves up or to make ourselves or to find out who can have the best seat in the house. It's to serve God and to serve Christ the way that he served us. So how do we become the servant of God that he wants us to be? We're going to talk about three things this morning. First of all, yielding, recognizing opportunities, and taking action. So the word yield can be a very ugly word in my vocabulary from time to time because guys and our macho-ness and some may laugh when i say i'm macho i mean i'm not saying i am but we want to be number one we don't want to yield to anybody our egos kind of hang out there sometime and we just really want to be right in any form or fashion and if there's somebody else uh, uh, that's trying to be the alpha male then sometimes we like to step in We have to learn how to yield. I have to learn how to yield better in my life. You know, out here on the interstates, we have the yield signs. I think all of us understand what a yield sign looks like. And it really is irritating. There's a couple of you here that don't like it when people don't use their turn signals. But what I don't like is when I'm getting off Interstate 27, and the the ramp people have those two yield signs, and they refuse to do it. And nine times out of ten, they'll go through the yield sign when I'm still probably going faster I should be anyway but they get in front of me and turn left or turn right and I have to put on my brakes you know it's, a, it's such a inconvenience they are supposed to yield and I know that they're supposed to yield uh, unfortunately recently uh, in Canyon uh, they have kind of the same setup that we did but uh a motorcyclist failed to yield at one of those and the oncoming traffic, as you guys have probably seen if you're over by the distribution center, uh, was getting on the interstate and it ended up taking that motorcyclist's life because he didn't yield. We have to think about the consequences when we yield and what I'm talking about specifically in being a servant to God is yielding our wills, yielding our wills, our wills. How important is it that we do that so that we don't have that head-on collision when the sign says yield and we want to be forefront, we want to be in the front, we want to be right, we want to be in charge, whatever the case may be for us, are we willing to step back? And I'm not just talking to the guys out there because there's girls out there that spar from time to time on uh, positioning, however you want to say that. We all kind of have those tendencies of competition. We're kind of raised that way. I raise my kids with the spirit of competition. Now, when we're serving Christ, let's not make it a competition. Let's make it because from our heart we truly want to serve. We have to put our trust in the Lord if we're going to yield our will. That is the most important thing. And, and some of you may think I've thought about this way too long. But when we talk about trusting in the Lord, I go back to the book of Genesis and think about Noah. Now, I read that story over and over, and, and I think we all understand here, and if you don't, I'll inform you that it, it, it was about a hundred year span from the time that Noah was given the instructions to build the ark and actually completing that ark. And you think about all of creation and everything that God did in the seven days, and I always questioned in my mind the fact that why did God allow that to take a hundred days? So I came up with my own plan. So in my mind, I'm thinking 20, 30 years god can make those trees grow really fast and i really don't want to cut those trees down and so god can go ahead and mill those trees up into the lumber sizes i need i don't have to do any extra cutting and we could probably shave i don't know 50 to 70 years off of that plan that's mike's plan but do i trust in the lord to say in that 100 years god had a reason he wanted that to take 100 years am i willing to yield to that And you think, well, I can't go back to those times and yield to that. I'm talking about in our everyday lives, in situations that we come to, do we come up with our plan? And yes, we are independent individuals who can make our own conscious decisions, and God and Christ expect us to make those decisions, but do we make the decision based on being a servant? Do we make those decisions that we are going to serve him, serve our fellow man, And as the scripture that we read in Matthew chapter 25, that as we do it unto the least of the individuals that we come in contact with, then we have done it unto Christ. Is that how we can yield and trust in the Lord for what he did? You know, Jesus had been preaching along Galilee to the disciples again in his three-year ministry, and, and there was a lot of people that were gathered there, and at one point he uh, got onto a ship and went out into the water and there were and, and, and one of the gospels talk about that there were other little ships that were, that went along too, so those multitudes in some form or fashion were following pretty closely and and the people from the region were 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 gathered all over so they didn't necessarily have hotels or inns to go to at that time but a lot of them went out onto the water and as we catch up with story in Mark chapter 4 in verse 37 it says a great windstorm arose and the winds beat into the boat so that it was already filling but he being Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing Jesus arose and rebuked the wind And said to the sea, "Peace, be still," and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So, a couple of things when we talk about yielding and putting our trust in the Lord and the plan that He's been given to us, there's a lot of storms that come come to us in our lives. There's a lot of occasions, and I will tell you, most of those storms in my life probably are those things that I feel like maybe are threatening me in some form or fashion. Are usually self-inflicted because I didn't trust Him enough to begin with to take the path of maybe better resistance or least, lesser resistance. But do we trust him? Now, those that were out there on the boat with, with Jesus said, do you not care that we perish in this storm? Because Jesus was asleep. And I will tell you, in the most raging storm that we have in our lives, Jesus is there for us, and he's the calm in the storm. I don't think it was an accident that the inspired word of God says that he was asleep on a pillow he was in a place of comfort he was not threatened by that storm that was out there and therefore those on the boat should not have felt threatened by the storm that was out there but there's so often i trust in myself i don't yield my will and i end up thinking we're going to sink and there's a lot of examples that we can talk about in the bible that talk about the fact that we need to put our trust but the peace be still is all jesus said And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So in our lives as we're talking about yielding, can we actually go to a spot where we say, as individuals, make me a storm? Alec gave a lesson not too long back talking about bodies of water and comparisons to how we have that, that touched me a lot as far as thinking about ourselves and how we act when we serve God. But sometimes we need to say, Make me a storm. This actually comes from a song that I know uh, some of you may have heard it before. And the song goes like this The winds and waves obey your voice. I want to be like that. Listening before each choice, I want to be like that. Father, hear my humble plea. Help me to be like the ocean that is under your control. Help me be still. And listen to your will. Oh Lord, make me a storm. An odd request, you might think, maybe an odd song looking at the lyrics, but how can we in our lives? Because there's a time when we probably need to be a storm. There's probably a time out there where we need to be a little bit excited about those who are going against the cause of Christ, those who are not allowing those others to follow Christ, those that may be oppressed. There may be situations, but the point to this is that we pray, O Father, hear my humble plea, make me a storm, and because that storm will yield to his will. Will we yield to his will by saying, make me a storm, so he can say, peace be still, and we will be still with that. You know, if the elements obeyed his voice and his commands, why will we not? And you say, well, you know, that's pretty easy because the storm is an element, and, and he said all those emotions, so he has control over, I get all those. He should have control over our heart, mind, and our body. If we truly look at the scriptures and what our calling is, we should, he should have control over our heart, mind, and body. So we must take our will and yield to others and yield to God's will for us. So not only yielding to what he wants us to do, but yielding to each other. It takes me from time to time stepping back and saying, I am going to let you take control. And that goes a little bit contrary to kind of what we were talking about before. As you see in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10, contrary to our human nature, I'll qualify that. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, whatever your hands find to do, to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. Again, an humble spirit to serve with, and I'm not going to go into a lot of details. This topic today, I I, I came up with a whole 10-week gospel uh, um, weekly uh, service that could be held on each of these topics. But when you think about the fact that to serve others... That we need to give in and not make excuses it's in our nature to say well you know it's hard I have so many things in my life that's going on um, and I'm giving all my might to my job I'm giving all my might to my family I'm giving all my might to these things that make me feel better in this life where does that leave God says there's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going while we have air in our lungs while we can breathe and have the ability we need to do what we can to serve others can we check our egos to serve do others have to conform to us at all times you know you, you probably heard this said before but there are a lot of people that say, well, you know, so-and-so, they've got kind of a rough personality, and it's just hard to be be around them sometimes. But, you know, after you get used to them, it's great. And I may be one of those that you're thinking about if you think about somebody else, but what I'd like you to do is think about, do people say that about me? Do people say that about you individually in your head that, you know, it's really, it's hard to be around them, You know, if it's hard for them to be around us, do we not need to make some changes in our lives so that it's not so hard in order to serve others and to yield the way we should be? But then sometimes in Bible studies even, it can become kind of a contest of who's right and who's wrong. And uh, back in the day, there used to be a lot of debates. Uh, And I'm not saying good Bible study and good uh, throwing out ideas from each other uh, is not a very positive thing and can be a growth uh, agent for all of us as Christians. But if it becomes into who's right and who's wrong on an opinion in, on the scriptures, we have to be willing to yield. So whatever our hands find to do, do it with all our might, but do it with that heart of the servant. Do it from an area that we're gonna say, I'm not gonna be abrasive to my brother. I'm going to with love approach this subject even though I disagree with him. And sometimes we walk away agreeing to disagree. And I think we understand, too, and that, too, in itself, is kind of a point of yielding. My stubborn will at last hath yielded. We sing that song. I've got a stubborn will sometimes, and uh, I know some of you can attest to that, and and my wife certainly can. But can we check that and take those gifts and talents that we have, instead of putting them into stubbornness, and I'm going to stand my ground, and uh, do whatever it takes not to back off am i going to take that and change that into serving others and bringing them to Christ and encouraging them to stay on the straight and narrow as we work together because we need each other and we need that to happen we need to be able to help each other in that way we can see that Paul is teaching Timothy to do this very thing in 1 Timothy 4 in verse 14 Where he says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands by the eldership. Meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And not specific to the brethren, but those that we come in contact, we've got to take ourselves, yield ourselves, and do those things that will help save us, and help save those. Again, doing those things that Christ expects us to do to the least of those that we might even expect that to happen. We must keep our hearts and minds in the right place at all times as servants. We must understand to be a true servant of God that this is most important, and that's something that we have to resolve, again, every single maybe minute of our day in decisions that we make, that we can do that and keep our hearts and mind, no matter what's thrown at us in this life, that we can reel it back in and say, what really matters is serving Christ and serving my fellow man the way that I need to. Nothing on this earth really matters, and Ecclesiastes 9 said that, that too, that there's no, nothing we can do once we are in the grave. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 says, If you then be raised, if you... Excuse me. If then you were raised with Christ, seeking those things which are above, which Christ is, sitting on the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden within Christ in God, is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also will appear with him in glory. Yielding our wills and being that storm that he can calm whenever he needs to calm or that he can stir up whenever he needs to stir up through our hearts and minds is what we need to have so that we can bend towards God in all things and the well-being of mankind to be saved through Christ. Are we crucified with Christ as Galatians 2 and verse 20 tells us? Are we truly crucified with Christ giving up ourselves in all things to be a servant? James chapter 3 Tells us, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good contact that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Again, having an humble heart as we serve. But if you have that bitter envy and self seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For every envy and self seeking, for wherever. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Kind of the capstone verse for yielding ourselves. Are we self-seeking in those areas that we're trying to serve in? saying, what's in it for me? Are we truly serving God from the heart? And we must recognize that. I think a lot of us understand what quid pro quo means. Quid pro quo means this for that. So if you do something for me or I do something for you, I'm going to have that reciprocated back from you. Is that our motivation behind serving others? That we have quid, quid pro quo? Do we expect reciprocation or do we give from our heart not expecting anything in return? Let's yield ourselves the way Christ yielded to us and gave his life for that ransom. Next, we need to recognize opportunities. You know, recognizing opportunities from time to time, to me, um, I call what we say so often as common sense. There are common sense things that we do every single day, a lot of us, that we say, well, what that means is that everybody understands that it should be done. It's common. And one of those, for an example, is opening a door for somebody. And we do have a lot of opportunities to do that here. And somebody coming in the door, elderly or not, open the door for them and help serve them. When you're getting in line at the at the get-togethers, the luncheons, and the potlucks that we have from time, time to time, maybe kids yielding to the older folks to be able to go first. Little things like that that I feel like are kind of common sense are not common unless those parents out there are teaching their kids that they're common. And I don't have a list of all the common sense things you as a parent need to teach your kid. That is for each of us in, as individuals to kind of say, what's on your list of common sense and what's not? I was raised that we said, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And i tell you, in this day and age, if I say ma'am to a lot of people, sometimes I get criticized because they think, I'm not a ma'am, I'm not old enough to be a ma'am. And some of you can remember the day, uh, there's a lot of people, I don't know their first names because they were brother or sister so-and-so. You said brother, whatever their last name was, didn't know their first name. And, and, and that probably in that day and age was kind of a common sense thing for that era, and I'm not saying it's bad in the day and age we live in, but it's important for us that we take that common sense in serving Christ and help our kids understand what should be common courtesy for us as we serve people and serve others. The Apostle Paul tells the saints in Acts chapter 20 to support the weak. And I know there's so many definitions of what the weak is, but in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Who is the weak? parents you have to help define that as your kids are raised and I I'm not trying to teach a lesson on parenting at this point but in order for some of those things as Christians to serve God to be common sense we as parents and collectively need to kind of get together from time to time say you know these things should be common but they don't understand and you get a new convert that comes in that has never set set foot in a church before there's a lot of things you're going to find out real really quickly that they don't understand about what we think is common To what should be done, and that doesn't mean they all have to conform to us. But sometimes there's a learning curve in there with new converts that have to say, "Okay, here's where you need to, here's where you were, and here's where you need to go," and we need to help them with that. Help our kids, help our brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes when I need a little bit of guidance to get back within the lines, I need I need some help in that, and that's all part of that. You gave a lesson a a few weeks back that talked about giving gifts very relevant to our Christian lives and how we give. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I will tell you those of you who have given gifts and those who have have given it with their heart and understand that it's something you want to do, there's not any better feeling than those that are receiving it, to receive it with glad and open hearts. We've got to try to find those gaps and those needs that we have in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David and Goliath, prior to David slaying Goliath, as David comes out and brings uh, some food to his brothers, he actually goes up to them and uh, takes some food and sees what's going on. And uh, his brother tells him in 1 Samuel 17 and 28, he says, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. His brother's really getting on to david saying i know why you're here you didn't come here to bring us this food you didn't come here to report to our dad you came here because you wanted to see what's going on because your pride i know you and you know i know your pride what did david say what have i done now is there not a cause can we find a cause to serve god now when you talk about that we'll talk about action in a minute But when you're talking about serving God, you've got to look for that cause. You've got to see what that cause is possibly for somebody else. Common sense or not, you have to kind of see what the needs of the weak are. You have to see what the gaps are that need to be filled. And no matter who says what to you and tries to criticize you for saying, you're doing this, oh, you're just being a busybody. And I'm not encouraging anybody to, to overstep the boundaries of being a busybody, but from time to time, we can recognize needs in somebody. We can recognize a mood somebody who's down, somebody who needs to be lifted up, whether it's collectively or individually that we see that. It's important for us to look for that cause, and it's important for us to find that cause. You know, most of you know, some of you know that um, I like Carlitos and Taco Tuesday. I like tacos about any night. Uh, Lynetta got me a shirt one time that says, it's Taco Tuesday uh, somewhere every day. So, Uh, I kind of live that philosophy a little bit, but I think about my cause for Taco Tuesday and from time to time those who get to join us in Taco Tuesday, And, and, and it really comes down to three F's. First of all, when I really think about my true motivation is food. The food. I like the food there. I really enjoyed the food. Secondly, Whether it's just Lenice and I or whether we have other people there, I like the fellowship. The fellowship is really good. All those are kind of self-serving and self-motivated. Not that that, from time to time we don't need to set up opportunities like that 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 make us feel better by getting together. But then the other part of it is usually we have a fun time and visiting and enjoy the day. And um, from time to time we talk about our Wednesday night services being kind of the... The oxygen, I think that Craig referred to it at one time, that kind of gets us going to make it through the rest of the week after our Sunday services. And sometimes those encounters through Bible study and through Taco Tuesday or whatever it may be for you, maybe that's something that helps you get through with your fellow Christians as you go through and to help serve others. But do I do that to serve myself or do I have Taco Tuesday because it is truly serving God in some form or fashion? I think the fellowship definitely can be serving God. But my point is not to not have Taco Tuesday, but do you look at your motivations and make sure that it's not self-fulfilling in some scriptures that we have already referred to as just making sure that you're lifting yourself up. We need to be able to give the people what they need. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 9 says, or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to them, to those who ask? Therefore, whatsoever, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Refer to Matthew chapter um, 7 and verse uh, 12 specifically as what we have dubbed kind of the, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And unfortunately, in this day and age, there's so much of do unto others before they do unto you, to kind of get them before they get you as a negative to it. To, for us to serve and to be a true servant of God, we need to make sure that we are doing to others first, not to reciprocate, not to get something back out of it. Those blessings will come. And a lot of you know what I'm talking about when when I say that. Those blessings will come by you serving others. They may not always come in your time frame. They may not always come the way that you want to, but they will come. We talked about giving gifts, and I'm not going to revisit necessarily all of Hugh's Hugh's lesson, but do you ever feel like when you select a gift and you give a gift that it's underappreciated? Have you ever done that? You've given somebody a gift and it's underappreciated. Hesitated using this, but I'm going to use this one. We're getting some new phones. What color is your phone? Does it really matter what color your phone is? Because the function of a phone doesn't have anything to do with what the outside looks like. Does it matter if it's pink or purple or your favorite color? But sometimes when we give gifts to others, they're not always received the way we're like with joy. They're received as, you didn't give them the right thing. Husbands, you've probably been in this case before where you really thought your wife was going to really want something. I've set up times where I think I know exactly for the meal and everything else what my wife wants, and I'll mess something up. I think it's just in our nature, but I will mess something up. And it wasn't necessarily our intention or underappreciated by the recipients, but sometimes they're not always accepted the way that we want them to be accepted We need to remember what it says in Galatians 6 when we're serving God and being a servant for Christ. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So kind of bridging into the fact that, yes, we're supposed to help our brethren, we're supposed to help our weaker brethren, to lift them up. And I can tell you from time to time, don't even look up here and say, Mike's never the weaker brother, and I need help too. We need to look at these things and say, okay, it wasn't necessarily received the way I gave it out, because from time to time I've had conversations with individuals here, and not that I'm admonishing them or or doing anything like that to them, but kind of a little bit of friendly advice here and there, and it's not accepted, it's not greeted, it's not taken. And I'm like, okay, I either overstepped my bounds or I should have kept my mouth shut. We need to not grow weary while we're trying to do good. If our heart is pure and our mind is pure and those motivations that we have serving Christ and not to serve ourselves, then it's going to be important for us not to lose heart in those things and do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. Important that we help each other. How many times have you put something on social media or you've done something that was kind of done in private, but you know, So-and-so didn't even send me a thank-you note. I didn't get a thank-you note. I don't even know if they got it. I don't know if they even recognized that I put out effort to do it. All those things that come into our minds, don't don't lose heart. Do not grow weary in this. I didn't get enough likes on social media. You know, I only had 10 people view those pictures I put on. It took a lot of time to put those pictures on, and nobody really liked them. We can really get sucked into that avenue of woe is me and I do all these good things and nobody really recognizes me. So what do we do next? We say, I'm done. Not going to do anything else because I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. Go back to this verse. Read this verse again. Let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. And I'm not going to try to turn this into a gospel, but those little things that you do for people outside in your work, life, those kind deeds that you do to people from time to time may seem like it just goes unrecognized and this is just another person out here that I've done something for that will never, but who's to say in their heart there wasn't something that triggered that's going to be reaped later on that you do and possibly by inaction by you saying I'm done that inaction you take could possibly set somebody off to a path that they don't want to stay on or one that they end up Uh, leaving the straight and narrow. We need to take full advantage of those opportunities that we have and not expect anything in return. Finally, we need to take action. In all those things that we do, David found a cause. If he had not taken action, would the Israelites have been under the Philistine rule? I'm sure God would have had another plan had the story turned out different by the inspired word we've been given, but if you know someone needs to be cheered up with a visit, if you know someone who needs text, if you know somebody who just needs a little bit of support or encouragement by a phone call, do we reach out and do that? Had an opportunity, and I'm not going to say names here, but in our minds, and you guys have probably all done this before, where we say, oh, I meant to call so-and-so, I was going to call and, and tell them congratulations, or I was going to call, call him and tell them that I was going to uh, encourage them because I know they've been having a rough time lately. And, you know, it's hard to know what to say. It's hard to know what to do and what not to do. But don't be afraid, as, as Galatians chapter 6 tells us. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be weary in that. Take the action, and hopefully it'll be received in a good way, even if it's not at the time. But I had an opportunity the other day that an uh, individual had a, a parent that was not feeling well. And uh, I thought about sending a text saying, hope your mom is better. Simple, very simple. Doesn't take five seconds out of my day. It's going to take me longer to look up the name than it is to send the message. Two days after I had that thought, two days later, I finally sent that text. We've got to take action on those things. And not that that made a world of difference for that individual, but when we have those thoughts or those opportunities, we need to seize those opportunities. When we see that gap, when we see somebody, I don't know that individual, need that much encouraging, but I wanted them to know I was thinking about them. And there was a 48-hour period where they didn't have any idea anybody was thinking about them. And I think about those opportunities that I let go, and that's why this lesson is so much for me, on being a better servant and recognizing those gaps and filling those gaps. We owe it to each other to take action Have you ever not done something and later on felt guilty about it? So, man, I was here yesterday and I wish I could have done that or I should have done that. I should have, should have, could have, should have, would have. You know, if we take action right when we have that thought or the opportunity to do something, we don't have that guilt. And here's something else is once you feel that guilt or you feel like inside, I should have done something else, guess what? You can't do anything about it. We need to move on. Need to move on. So don't get caught up into that, well, I failed here, and I'm going to fail again. I'm going to fail, fail, fail. And then we end up into this spiral downward where we just say again, I'm done. I can't really make a difference, so I'm not even going to try. We owe it to all to take action and act. We can read in James chapter 2 and verse 14 having to do with faith here but what does it profit my brother and if someone says he has faith but does not have works can faith save him if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them depart in peace be warmed and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body what does it profit thus faith by itself if it does not have works is dead if we think about sending a text and we never send a text it's not going to have the desired effect if somebody comes to us and says, I need this, and we don't give it to them, and again, the gifts you give your children, if your children says, I, I, I want a watermelon for, for, for Christmas, and you give them a, you give them a peach, it's not going to be the same. It's what maybe not what they need, but what they want at the time. It's important for us to see, especially if somebody verbally says, as a brother and sister or somebody in the world that says, I need this from you, Mike, that we fill that gap, again going back to that gap, and find that cause that we should have. It's important for us that we give those things that are needed as much as we can possibly do, and as much as lies uh, lies in us to do that. We must manifest our love for God and Christ into our actions for our fellow man. We can read of Christ's manifestation for his love for us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Now, we're willing to lay down our lives for our family, our spouse, our spouses. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of us that would, would, would um, jump in front of a bus or throw somebody out of harm's way and put themselves in harm's way and for those of you who, who, who Bruno Mars is, uh, take a grenade for you. I don't encourage that. Don't try that at home. But are we willing to go that far? Are we willing to give our lives? Verse 17, but whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts him up from his heart, how does, he, how does the love of God abide in him? So if we neglect those opportunities that are giving us, we are not serving the way we need to serve. How does the love of God abide in him? Can you imagine if you're standing on the judgment seat and Christ says you didn't do these under the least of these, you had opportunity and the love of God didn't even abide in you? We need to get excited about those things and those opportunities that we have to do this. My My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth in those things that we have. We have to take action. So those that we have close relationships, those brethren that are sitting here today and those that, that may be at other congregations, those that are visiting uh, from Zoom today, you know, those opportunities that we have to serve others are, are, are sometimes maybe easy for us. It's easier for us to greet people and welcome people and say, it's a great Lord's Day. We get out in the world and it's a little bit different maybe, but usually when we come in contact with each other, we are still very very much in tune with each other on taking care of each other's needs but what about those who we don't like kids can you think of any bullies at your school that treat you poorly or treat you badly or laugh at you or make fun of you teenagers adults can you think of anybody that does that to you that you feel like you're being bullied you know it's important too that we understand this isn't just about our brother and it gives us the opportunity to serve him in order to make sure we take care of our enemies too. Luke chapter 6 and verse 27, it says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. So all those people who do bad things to you, guess what? We need to serve them too. We need to serve them too, and we need to take that action to serve them, not just sit back and say, well, you know, if they come my way or in the proximity." Uh, I, I might help them out, but I'm going to steer clear. Kids, I'm not going to encourage you because you come home with a bloody nose. They're going to be getting phone calls to me, but those bullies, that be kind to them. Be kind to them. Don't lash back. Don't do those things that are instinctual um, to, to go back and say, I'll get them, I'll show them, I'll get even with them. Take those opportunities, and I know us, us adults from time to time have maybe bosses or coworkers that push us around. So Be nice to them. Do everything we can. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Now, I didn't do a complete word search on this, but during the time, the tunic is actually a sweater vest that they had during that time. So just want to make sure to clarify that. You can do your own research. But if somebody wants to take my sweater vest, I'm going to give it to you. Most of you don't want it. I get it. You understand my point. Whoever your enemy, if they say, give me, give me, give me, give me your lunch money. I don't know if we do lunch money anymore. Give me whatever it, give it to them, and then say, what else can I give you? That is hard. That's not in our human nature, but that's how we need to be to be Christ-like and to serve. Give to everyone who asks of you, in verse 30, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Don't be somebody who says, I'm going to give you this, but I accept something back in return, but here's the deal, I'm going to let you borrow this. Uh, Parents are notorious about this, and I'll speak for us as parents, but sometimes we get these new appliances, or we get these new maybe phones, and we say, well, I got this brand new one, so I'm going to give so-and-so my old one. (laughs) You know, hand me down. And I'm not saying that, that that's wrong, but from time to time, why don't we get another one and say, okay, I can keep using my old one and give the other person the new one. Now, you don't want to spoil your kids too much and all that. I get that. There's some things you got to, some boundaries parents have to set from time to time out there, but certainly don't give it in a grudging manner and don't give it in a way that's saying, okay. But sometimes it's just like it's easy for us to say, well, I've got all this plenty and I've built bigger barns, but I'm just going to give all the needy my leftovers because I don't need all that stuff anymore. Why don't we give it to them when we do need that stuff some more instead of waiting till we don't need that stuff anymore? And I'm certainly not talking about cell phones and and, uh, hand-me-downs when it comes to appliances when I talk about that. We have a gift that has been given to us and we need to make sure that as we serve our enemies and it says give to everyone who asks of you even if we don't like them. Even if we don't like them and that's hard to do. As we wrap up, let's review. We must yield. We've got to give in to God's will for us. We have to recognize our opportunities and all those things. We have to be looking to do that. We can't hold ourselves up in our houses and say, I'm too tired all the time. There's a time for rest. There's a time for those things that we have to attend to in this life. But we also have other things that we need to attend to. And then once we see those opportunities, we have to take action. To be a true servant of Christ, we need to take action. And and I can tell you when I put this together, it's just like, wow, that's a lot. It can be overwhelming because we have so much going on in our lives, but that's where we have to kind of reel our minds and our hearts back in and say, what is my real purpose? The great commission that has been given to us to take the gospel to every creature. We have been given that commission. We need to take that action, and what that looks like in your life may be different than what it looks like in my life. But finally, we have to act on Christ's word words to us in Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you're willing and able to do that tonight, or if you feel like you to this morning and feel like you maybe have stumbled, you need that encouragement the help through prayer that we have, to be able to go collectively. it doesn't have to be a public thing where you come up on the front pew and say, "I need help." It can be c- private conversations where I need encouragement. This is what I need, what I need. It may not be a prayer. It may, not, it may be something earthly that, that's going to help somebody through to the next paycheck so they don't lose their electricity. You never know what's going on sometimes, but be willing to make those needs known. If you're here this evening this morning and have been given the gospel. The song, and I didn't request this one to be sung, but I Am Resolved is the song that's going to be sung. Are you resolved today to be a better server for God? If we can help you in any way, come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.